0: And welcome to Rush to Field, the all-college football on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Jay Binkley with producer, as it was last year every week, Julio Sanchez, producing the operation. Our look around college football world, specifically Kansas State, Kansas, and the University of Missouri. We'll do our normal check-ins with John Kurtz in Manhattan, Kansas from k This is a fable to our colors podcast about everything Kansas State And we'll talk to uh, the former uh, coach, Gary Pinkle, all-time wins leader at the University of Missouri, like we do each week on the Missouri Tagger. Several things on my mind tonight that we'll talk to Alex Gold uh, from the Wave in the Week podcast on the 435 Podcast Network, Everything Kansas, and, of course, hear Alex Gold every day on Cody and Gold, 10 to 2, right here on 610 Sports Radio. We talked about last week kind of being a little bit of a dud, College football fires up in earnest this weekend. Welcome back, Big Ten. It's good to see you. We have a fine game with Nebraska and Ohio State right out the shoots at 11 o'clock in the morning. So the Big Ten, welcome back. The Pac-12 will start November 7th. The MAC, one of my favorite conferences, starts November 4th. They play on weeknights the first three weeks because they have a six-game schedule, and then they play on weekends for three after that. The Mountain West... Uh, We'll play eight games starting this weekend. So we have some college football out. And again, 127, 130 teams are eligible right now in playing college football. But here's the deal. There's no win requirements to play in a bowl game. Now, here's the bad news. 78 teams are needed to fill 39 bowl games this year. But the news gets worse, Julio. As reported earlier... The Holiday Bowl will not play this year. Brett McMurphy, due to coronavirus, the Holiday Bowl, the 43rd annual game, will not be played this December. Fourth bowl game cancellation so far this year. I was curious how this was going to go. And again, this is why I wanted to see the college football playoffs expanded. But they didn't listen to me. We're sticking with the four. But of all years to do it, this is the year to do it. Baseball went to 16 just for this year. You know, let's see what we can do. But college football, I wanted to see more action as far as the playoffs this year. Not going to see it, but I digress. At least we have 127 of 130 teams playing. For Kansas State, they've been on a roll so far this season. Losing Arkansas State the first week, but then they've rattled off three straight uh, games, including at Oklahoma, uh, versus Texas Tech at home, then at TCU uh, the following week. We talked about that last week, the hard-fought win. They had there. They're coming off the bye week. They're playing Kansas. Sunflower Showdown, 11 o'clock, right here on 610 Sports Radio. I didn't know if you knew this, Julio, but this is the 110th consecutive time that Kansas State and Kansas will play, becoming the third longest continuous rivalry in college football by season's end. However, this will be their 118th meeting. You might say, whoa, what happened? These teams did not play in 1910 because they could not get along. Kansas State was trotting out players for six years. K-State thought KU was cheating, and now 1910, they canceled this game or we'd have a longer story. Kansas State has won the last 11 in a row going back to 2009. Kansas's longest winning streak against K-State, by the way, 10 games, but that was 1956 to 1965. Uh, Kansas State's had two 11 game winning streaks against the University of Kansas, their largest margin of victory, 64 to nothing in 2002. Here's the tale of the tape between Kansas and Kansas State Kansas, 65 lifetime wins against Kansas State. Kansas State, 47, five times. There's probably not a lot of people that would know that Kansas held that 18 game advantage over Kansas State. But lately, it's been all Kansas State. First time these two teams met back in 1902. Kansas, a 16-0 victory over Kansas State. Kansas State first beat Kansas in 1906 with the whopping score, Julio, of 6-4. to four. That is an interesting football score, 6-4. But regardless, that was Kansas and Kansas State back in 1906. As far as Missouri is concerned, they had their game canceled against Vanderbilt, as we talked about last week, because of COVID issues. They wanted to parlay that big win they had against LSU and keep the ball rolling. Well, this week was going to be Florida. Not so fast, my friends. As Lee Corso said, Florida has a coronavirus problem, so the SEC had to reshuffle things. So Missouri is playing Kentucky a little bit earlier, and they're playing them this week in Columbia. And Kentucky's won the last five against Missouri. Missouri did win the previous three before that, back when Gary Pinkle was the coach. But you can check that out at 3 o'clock on our sister station, 98.1 FM, or watch it, on SEC Network. Kentucky's coming off a win against Mississippi State where they allowed just two points. In a weekend that SEC teams averaged 33 points a game. It was good defense. Last week, they knocked off number 18, Tennessee, 34-7 at Tennessee. Kentucky's on quite the roll as well. But they are 2-2 two and two with losses to Auburn and a one-point loss to Ole Miss. Kentucky, once again, has beaten Missouri five straight last uh, loss in 2014. But the SEC moved the games around. Missouri will now play Florida next weekend on Halloween. I do believe the 31st is still Halloween. I don't think they've canceled Halloween at this point. But that's when they'll play the University of Florida. They rescheduled it. So there you go. Kansas. They were the local team that played. Embarrassing loss to West Virginia on the road. Les Miles didn't go to that game. Point spread actually dipped. Not a good sign for Les Miles. KU lost the game 38-17 by West Virginia. But the final score is not indicative of the game. Kansas outgained 544 to 157 in that game. Now, at the end, which gamblers weren't happy about, I guess some were happy and some weren't, Puka Williams, 92-yard kickoff return in that game. Puka Williams, of course, the best player at the University of Kansas. This week, he was actually the uh, special teams player of the week in the Big 12 he opted out this week, so no more Puka Williams at the University of Kansas. Uh, Puka was a uh, junior, of course. He'll go to the NFL. He was the leader in all-purpose yards in each of his three seasons at KU, but he put a tweet out that said that he's going to take care of some family manners, so he has opted out of the University of Kansas. He's having a good year, too. Check this out from Bruce Feldman. 33% forced missed tackle rate, the highest of any Big 12 running back since 2014. So he had it going on. As far as last weekend, I said it's going to be tough to find great games to watch. This week, Julio, much different story. Number 18 versus number 21, Minnesota. Again, welcome back, Big Ten. They're back in the polls now. The Big Ten is 630 on ABC. Another game, my second uh, uh, game of the week, would be number 17, Iowa State against Oklahoma State, who's number six in the country, 230 on Fox. Again, interesting game for the Big 12. Remember how the Sun Belt went 3-0 versus the Big 12 in week one? Yeah, not a pretty situation, but Iowa State playing better football since. Love that game. Alabama is going to be a good one as well, coming off that dominant win over number three, Georgia. That was the game of the year so far, number two versus number three. They're at Tennessee, who's 2-2, two and two, 230 on CBS. And I mentioned Nebraska, the Cornhuskers will play uh, number five Ohio State, 11 o'clock on Fox. So you get to see some Justin Fields. Probably the number two, well, not probably, but the number two quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence in the NFL draft. Giants, you watching? The Jets want Trevor Lawrence. I know that's where he's going to go. And then there's Trey Lance, who has one year of playing at North Dakota State. Remember, they had one game this year, that was it. But he's the third-ranked quarterback, I would say, in the draft Coming up this year, Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman, of course, right here, we're partners with Kansas State and you can hear every Kansas State game right here on 610 Sports Radio and the radio.com app. Coach Kleiman was on with the drive yesterday and this was interesting. This was interesting about that team. He was asked. The message that he gave that team after that Arkansas State game, which has inspired them the three straight wins.
1: Uh, get back to fall camp mode. We we were down forty-two guys to COVID that week.
0: All right, let me pause that. juberty you know said, I knew they were out players. And I knew that secondary is depleted. Arkansas State had nine starters out of the game. He just said they were without 42 players. That's that's a big number. They don't have to report everything with COVID. 42 players. A very big deal for Kansas State. Did not know that until I heard the interview on the drive. It's not an excuse. Arkansas State came in here and beat our tails, but we need to go back to fall
1: camp. We just needed to practice and get guys uh, uh, around each other and get better as a football team and and just clean some things up. We thought uh, inside our program, a little bit more discipline and accountability, and uh, I knew we had the right guys to do it. We just needed to maybe kind of correct ourselves and, and get back to work.
0: Of course, one of the stories is Skylar Thompson out for the year. Local product was Simone Trophy winner. is the best high school football player in the Metro at Fort Osage. senior at Kansas State, out, out for the year. So, Will Howard, inner Will Howard, big quarterback out of the state of Pennsylvania. True freshman, right? Playing well. Had a nice 80-yard run. It was so much, I'm sitting there texting, Kurt's going, what's going on? ESPN has this guy as a dual threat. 247 has him as a pro style. I mean, with his size, you would definitely think that. But this guy is fun to watch. This is Coach Kleiman on Kansas State's new quarterback at this point.
1: Well, Will has kind of that it factor. He uh, he came in here, uh, fortunately for us, last January. Even though our semester got cut short, he was able to get some of the playbook stuff and meet with Coach Klein and meet with Skyler. So he's able to get a head start uh, compared to a lot of freshmen that come in in the fall. And so... Uh, we were excited about uh, him continuing to learn our system, and, and who knows if he was going to have an opportunity. And lo and behold, that uh, opportunity came in the early in the game against Texas Tech, and he had prepared himself. Uh, he prepared himself whether he was going to play one snap, zero snaps, or, or the whole uh, second half. And, and but he did a really nice job, and he continues to improve. And that's the thing I like about Will. He knows he's yeah, has a lot of work to do, but he's he's attacking it every day.
0: Well, it's high praise from head coach Chris Kleiman. You use the word it factor when it comes to the quarterbacks. Yeah, that's pretty special, but he's a true freshman. Also true freshman as far as the running game is concerned. Deuce Vaughn, five foot five. Reminds you of Darren Sproles if you watch him. He's a true freshman. He's already been newcomer of the week twice in the Big Twelve this year. This is Coach Kleiman on his uh, fantastic Running back. It's also a great receiver. He's a
1: phenomenal football player. He's a great, great young man. He's got a great family. Uh, he's got his head on correctly. He just, he just gets it. He's a real mature kid. He's a humble kid. He's got uh, a set, a skill set that. Uh, uh, not very many kids have. And, and we're so fortunate that uh, we were able to land him here at Kansas State. And I know that uh, the Darren Sproles' uh, name has been mentioned around. Let's let us let Deuce be Deuce for a while. But uh, he's a special player.
0: Absolutely. He's fun to watch. If you haven't checked out Kansas State games, might check out the Sunflower Showdown tomorrow with Kansas. See these special true freshman at quarterback and at running back. And last but not least, Here's Coach Kleinman on what makes the rivalry special between Kansas and Kansas State.
1: A lot of our guys uh, have been around KU through camps or something, uh, know some kids on their team and stuff, and, and obviously no friends that have either gone there or are going to there. Uh, that's what I think makes it uh, uh, such a great rivalry is, is we're pretty close to, uh, in proximity. and so. Uh, but once again, for us, it's about uh, making sure that we we do our work make sure we detail our plan so that uh, uh, we put our best foot
0: forward on Saturday. Les had done some talking for Kansas last year on the miles to go. Again, who they've always said, if you're going to write checks, you better have the bank account to back up said check that you write. A lot of Kansas State players were talking, hey, growing up in the state of Kansas, close to Lawrence, they didn't want me. They didn't recruit me. I know. You look at these programs, they're in two different places right now. But oftentimes, you know what you do with rivalries? Throw the record books out the window. We'll all enjoy watching this at 11 o'clock on Saturday. Coming up next, we'll head to Manhattan, Kansas, talk about those Kansas State Wildcats with the one they only, John Kurtz.
2: You're listening to Rush the
1: Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio.
0: Welcome back to Rush the Field. I'm Jay Binkley. About time to talk to the sports director at man in Manhattan. He hosts uh, Game Day K Man as well, four to six Monday through Friday, and of course, Faithful to Our Colors podcast, which, by the way, is sizzling on our uh, on the podcast network at six ten Sports Radio on the four thirty five podcast network. He is fired up about the Sunflower Showdown. What's up, John? Please contain yourself. <laughs>
1: well, listen, you know. I think there is, even though it's not as juicy as it was last year, the fact that Les Miles is on the other sideline always makes it more entertaining and I think adds something to it for K-State fans. So I'm here for it. I'm still here for the Sunflower Show. You know,
0: I am too, and I went through the history of this thing. It's third longest rivalry, and for some reason, they did not play in 1910. So it's the 110th straight meeting. This will be the 118th meeting, but they got mad at each other in 1910, and they decided not to play. The only year. I actually did not
1: know that. You just dropped some history knowledge. Yeah, I knew it was, you know, they listed some, I don't know, like top five, top 10 longest running rivalry in the history of college football or whatever, but I did not know about 1910.
0: Yeah, they did not agree. I guess Ahern didn't like it. Kansas was in a cheating scandal or something, and I don't think Kansas was wild about using six years of eligibility, Uh, but they didn't like each other. And this back when Theodore Roosevelt was president a long time ago. And they said, we're not playing. But then they resumed the next year. Did you know this? Kansas won the first ever meeting 16 to nothing in 1902. It wasn't until 1906 that Kansas State got their first victory over Kansas. The score, my friend, six to four.
1: (laughs) I like that. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think Iowa and Penn State played a game that was 6-4 to four, uh, within the last 10 to 15 years, something like that. Uh very big pennies of K-State and Kansas
0: there. It, it's fun, and I, I like games like this. I do, and, and what I said about Les Miles earlier today on Cody and Gold, I was like, here's the deal. Smack talk is good for sports. I like it, but if you're going to write checks, you better have the bank account to back it up.
1: Yeah, well, what's interesting about that is this year, it was really K State that did the talking. I, I listened to Les Miles' full press conference, and he was, you know, pretty deferential when it came to uh, K State questions. Didn't say anything inflammatory at all, and K State's coaches certainly didn't. But
0: now he didn't.
1: Yeah, th- there was uh, there was a little bit of that from Jerome McPherson, K State safety, is playing at really an all Big Twelve kind of a level right now. Um, he, I, I just asked him a. Generic question about Kansas and what they have offensively. Made it a point uh, very emphatically to say, uh, like four times individually, they have a lot of talent on that side of the ball individually. Mm, uh, individually, Yeah, they are very good. Obviously, leading you to insinuate that the coaching isn't very good. um,
0: Yeah, I saw the the (laughs) K State players too, John. They weren't, you know, they they were honest about it. Say, hey, they grew up in the state of Kansas. They weren't far from Lawrence, and they saw it as a slight that they were recruited by them. I that stuff they said.
1: And that's something I think has really fueled K-State for a long time in this rivalry because Mark Mangino, when he was at Kansas, he understood the value of in-state recruiting and Kansas kids, and what has K-State always been? They've been a program that gets these types of kids out of the state that come in with a blue-collar attitude and make K-State a pretty tough team. Uh, Kansas has not done that. They have not made it a priority to go get kids like that, and I think, frankly, it's made them a pretty soft football team most of the time since Mangino left and it really hurts them when they play K-State because there are a lot more players on K-State's roster from the state that therefore understand the rivalry and care more about the rivalry than, than what Kansas has. And so I think that's in large part why you've seen an 11-game win streak here for K-State where they've won by an average of 26 points per game because you have kids on K-State's roster that care more about the game. Obviously, it's a better program and more organized, but you know you would figure in a rivalry matchup like that, Two teams that play that often or one team is that bad, you would get a game where K-State's really overlooking Kansas. It's hard to be motivated. But most of the time that's not an issue because players like what we heard this week from K-State guys still have that slight that they were not recruited by Kansas and they came to K-State.
0: This is Kansas State's seventh or excuse me, second eleven game win streak. They also won eleven in a row between ninety-three and two thousand and three. And you have to go back to the fifties and the sixties, where Kansas had beaten Kansas State ten straight years. I follow these teams pretty closely, John, but I did not know this. This is Coach Chris Kleinman that joined the drive yesterday. Just a few seconds here of something he said, I had no idea. Uh, get back to fall camp
1: mode. We we were down forty-two guys to COVID that week, and it's not enough
0: I didn't know they were down forty-two dudes for that Arkansas State game.
1: Yeah, I mean it was it was a lot. It was very close to uh, enough to, to obviously call the game off. Now. You know, not all, every single one of those players is a scholarship no. player necessarily, but that, that underscores what kind of a position K State was in. I mean, for instance, the defense was really bad against Arkansas State. Well, uh, it turns out they were missing Khalid Duke, who has been their best pass rusher. He's been better than Wyatt Hubert, who was a first team All Big 12 pick last year. That really hurt him. And they also lost Jeron McPherson very early in that game and he's turned out to be one of the best safeties in the league so far. So, like, little instances like that, we just didn't know enough about the team at the time to realize the magnitude of the impact there. And now you can see it looking back on that. And obviously it wasn't just on defense, on offense. The offensive line was hit really hard. The receivers were hit really hard. And K-State was off on some deep balls that were there and that were open. So, Yeah. That's COVID, everyone's having to deal with it, but you could tell it was really stressing K-State out the first couple of weeks of
0: the season. Well, K-State doesn't play Iowa State until November 21st as we sit down. I'll I'll say this, that's the game of the weekend, I believe, is Iowa State, obviously in Oklahoma State, kind of see where they're at. But Kansas State's right in there with them, and they're right in there with them because of guys like Will Howard and Deuce Vaughn. And I heard Coach Kleiman, of course, Kansas State's had to go a different direction at quarterback with Will Howard, but he used the word it, Coach Klymer did when talking about Will Howard. Those are special two-letter words that coaches use when they feel they have something at quarterback, when they label them with the word it. It's not used all the time, but he's a special player. And I know he's a true freshman, but he shows the poise. Heck, for a big guy, he can show his run, obviously that 80-yard run against TCU. But I think K-State might have something in Will Howard at quarterback.
1: They definitely feel like that, and they have listen long before he actually became the starting quarterback. I will say that it, in fairness to the staff, this is not just them propping up somebody who's been thrust into the starting lineup now. Yeah. They really need to be confident in play. I, I was hearing really good things about Will Howard when he came in uh, just over the spring and summer. So obviously they didn't have spring practice, but he enrolled early and came in in the spring and was somebody that – I know they felt like really took it seriously. He was working as much as he could uh, to get better and, and learn the playbook. I think that's the other thing. Like, he is very cerebral, understands what it takes to be a leader. And, and when you listen to him talk, I mean, he, he sounds more mature than I do, uh, to be honest. And, you know, he's an 18-year-old freshman at college. Like, he is, he, he is somebody that you can tell just being around him a little bit as a media member. Like, he gives off a lot of those qualities to somebody that can be a great quarterback. And, you know, he's got the, he's got the frame – Uh, of somebody that can be a very good quarterback. He's tall, lanky, and he's put on quite a bit of weight since he got on campus as well, which is another one of those things that they really wanted him to do. Um, I I think in time he is going to be very, very good. Question becomes, is he good enough this year to actually allow you to legitimately compete for a Big 12 championship? And I think that's still very much um, up in the air. I think it remains to be seen. But I I do really like what they have in him as far as the future is concerned. And then you throw in – Next year, a guy who had an LSU offer and is a four star quarterback in Jake Ruby, who will uh, be enrolling early in the spring as well. So the future is very, very bright at quarterback, State.
0: He's 6'4, 230. At least that's what Kansas State listed him at on their website. Is that is that about accurate, 230, 235, somewhere in that area?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I always take those numbers with a grain of salt, like maybe knock off an inch and, and sure. in this case, 10 to 15 pounds. You know, it's like whatever way that you're you're uh, trying to knock it off whether you want to bump him up or bump it down. But I I think in that case, it's probably slightly overinflated. But he he definitely, uh, from what he looked like as a recruit to what he looks like now, uh, he's absolutely bulked up and added some weight, yeah.
0: And another player that you and I have talked about quite a bit this year, obviously, for good reason, is Deuce Vaughn. And Coach Kleiman was talking about Deuce Vaughn and the recruitment process of him, too. And a guy that they did their homework on watching tape, and they realized this is a guy that they wanted. And – you look at some of the offers he got. The Service academies liked him, too, which is a good news because it means you're good in the classroom as well. Air Force and Army had given him offers, North Texas and USF. Kansas did not. Baylor did not. They were interested but did not offer. I did find it interesting that Missouri had actually offered Deuce Vaughn.
1: Yeah, and I tell you what, one of the more interesting things that come out of the press conferences the last few weeks since K-State's had a bye week here to get ready for Kansas was uh, Brian Anderson, K-State's running back coach, talking about uh, the process when they first got film of Deuce Vaughn, and he said he actually almost didn't take the footage or the film to the rest of the staff <laughs> because he thought they may laugh him out of the room because wow. this was that small. So K-State came that close to just passing on him initially, but... Brian Anderson kept watching the tape and, and the guy was just, I mean, in his high school stats are ridiculous, just video game numbers. He was scoring all the time. And he was so overwhelmed by it that he did take it to the staff. And he said it actually was not hard to convince Chris Kleiman of it at all. That uh, They they took, yeah, Chris Kleiman, I think, said it was four snaps. Someone asked him how many, how long it took him of watching huh. the film to be convinced to offer Deuce Vaughn, and he said four snaps. So it was not hard to convince uh, the head coach once they actually brought it to him. But, You know, that that allows you to understand how some of these programs passed him over. I mean, even K-State, a place that's just built on taking chances on guys like that that are undersized, that close to not even making it to, like, the second stage um, and actually offering him a scholarship.
0: And that's where I think the FCS background comes into play with Coach Kleinman. He will take chances on guys like that because he had some of those guys, you know, kind of put in his lap at North Dakota State, guys that were maybe an inch or two shorter you know, them playing at Division I level. I was talking to Joe Mays, who does a show here, the Players Only, earlier. He, he's 5'11", and he went to North Dakota State. And it's funny, because I've got a, uh, a friend whose who's son's just a dominant football player at a Missouri Class 6 school, and he's got an offer, and he's going to go play at Northern Iowa. Well, you know, the Division I schools were saying he's an inch too short. Or too, I mean, it does matter. It sounds silly, but an inch in height, and a few pounds here and there does separate you from being Division One or not. And when you take a chance on a Deuce Vaughn, they've got to be very special.
1: They do. And I think the other thing that really helped out in this case, K-State landing Deuce Vaughn and being willing to take that chance, I think it's a great point that you make about Chris Kleiman being somebody who coached at the FCS level. And, I mean, he, he lived on taking kids out of the Kansas City area that, that were just under-recruited by mm-hmm you know, some of these schools. But the other thing that he does that I think really helped him in being accepting of Deuce is that they like to play a lot of players. And so they will rotate in so many different players that they're looking for guys with different attributes. Like, for instance, at running back, they want they want a guy who's a power back, that you can really pound you between the tackles, and then they want speed merchants, and they want to pair them together. And that's what they did at North Dakota State, where it was always – two, three, even four running backs taking the bulk of the carries based on the different traits and attributes that they had. And you're seeing that really play out at K-State where you can have somebody more like Harry Trotter that runs between the tackles. Jucardia Wright runs between the tackles. Then you have Deuce Bond, that's like a a home run hitter, really shifty. Then they have Keon Mosey, uh, who's another Kansas City area kid who has just blazing straight-line speed that they like to use. So that, I think, really helped them. Um, in developing a role for Deuce Vaughn, which, one, told him, he said on K-State, that they had a real plan and how they were going to use him uh, in a role like that. And, two, it allows them to, to be you know, more forgiving of some of those height attributes, height, size, whatever it
0: might be. Well, John, I always like when the local schools are playing at different times so I can sit there and watch them all. I really like when they play each other like Kansas State and Kansas so you can just focus in on that one game, even though we have the Big Ten Back this weekend, of course. But I'm looking forward to Kansas versus Kansas State. And we'll talk about that matchup more next week. Give John a follow on Twitter, at JL Kurtz. Check out his podcast on the 435 Podcast Network, Faithful to Our Colors. Seriously, it is a sizzling hot podcast on our network. He's everything K-State. He works in K-Man in Manhattan as the program director. John, always a pleasure. Take care, my friend. All right, sounds good. Talk to you soon. There you go, John Kurtz right there. About everything, Kansas State. I was throwing some history at him, Julio. Not that anybody cares about that 1906 showdown, but there was one six to four. But regardless, well, we'll shift our attention to the University of Missouri next with all time wins leader Gary Bengel. You're
1: listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio.
0: Talk Missouri Tigers with the all-time winningest coach at the University of Missouri in Toledo. And, of course, has a great book out called The 100-Yard Journey. As I always uh, remind people, Christmas is coming up pretty fast. Time flies, and certainly uh, this book here, The 100-Yard Journey, uh, you can get it at GaryPinkle.com. On his website, there's a link right there to it, with, written by Dave with Dave Matter and the forward by Nick Saban. Coach, uh, good evening. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How about you? You know what? Just trying to keep up with sports. You know, everything changes. The NFL's making changes in schedule. Of course, Missouri has seen uh, schedule changes as well. Supposed to be Florida this weekend. Uh, Not going to be. It's going to be Kentucky, then Florida the following weekend. But, you know, so these play whoever they put in front of you. Kentucky's a team coach that has beaten Missouri the last five. Uh, You had beaten them three games straight back in 12, 13, and 14 on your way uh, to two SEC East crowns in those years. But the uh, last couple of years have been close, but Kentucky's gotten the edge uh, lately. Yeah, yeah, that game's coming up. And you know, speaking
2: about changes, you know, like the NFL changes, uh, you know, NBA had a change majorly baseball, state, college football, all college sports, basketball is going to have to probably change too. Uh, you know, the, that's really what it's all about right now. You know, there, there's plans in place. You know, to to adjust schedules when there's you know too many positive tests and and you know everybody's just kind of working together and trying to work hard to make make it all work and everybody's making sacrifices and you know one of the things is I told you know talked to the team when when, when uh, Coach Eli asked me to talk to him I talked to him about this is a great time for you to learn how to maintain your focus in chaos because in, in the fact the fact to be known is that when you're playing football all kinds of stuffs going a million miles around you out there. And, and those that maintain their focus to be able to play each play their best play uh, they can are the ones that you have to learn how to do that are the ones that are going to be successful. And so I, I, I told them, I challenged them a little bit, there's going to be changes all the time here. You might play, you're looking forward to playing somebody, then t- you know, a few days later you'll find out you're not going to play for three weeks. But you've got to adjust, and you can't moan and complain about it. And so I said, using it as advantage, look at it as a way that I can sharpen my focus under any conditions so I can do better at what I do. And whether it's school work, football, or whatever, and uh, but that's the that's the name of the game. And, and the, and the uh, this this year, 2020, it's it's adjusted. and the, It goes on and on and on all the time. And God bless all those administrative people who make those decisions to get that done.
0: Yeah, I can't even imagine these ads having to reschedule things. I mean, it's challenging to everybody. And you and I have talked about it. In 10 years uh, from now, coaches will look back and think, "Man, I was sure challenged." Now I know who I'm playing every week. And I think back to that time, and it uh, made me a better coach, or it. Made me a better player and coach, I saw a little bit of that clip when you spoke to the Tigers when Coach Drinkwitz had you come back there uh, on Twitter. I saw a few minutes of it there, and I have to ask you did that uh just speaking to a football team does that uh did that fire you up in a certain way did that bring you back to maybe a few years ago yeah that's uh, since uh,
2: since my final team meeting um at uh two thousand and fifteen when I retired. Uh, I have not spoke to a collectively you know, a group of, of players before, so that was the first time in almost five years, and so that was that was very special for me. Uh, I was certainly honored that he would ask me, and the kids were very very uh, considerate, and nice, and and
0: uh, you know they were zoned in, and
2: it, it was a really really great experience. Uh, to doing it again. That being said, I'm I, it's okay right now. I'm I'm doing fine, and I'm glad my I'm coaching. And you turn it over to younger guys like uh, Coach Lindquist.
0: Coach, uh, something we've been talking about this week. Is you know, with the NFL, it's one thing to try to climb the mountain. It's another thing to be on the mountain. Uh, did you feel the teams, the way they they schemed against uh, some of your quarterback play in your offense, did you catch them by surprise at first? And did you notice those adjustments when you were going to back-to-back SEC title games? Did you notice a remarkable difference in maybe how teams were playing against you? Well, I think all
2: teams, you know, they, we, we do an analysis of everybody in our schedule. In the summer. And we have coaches responsible. Have all assistant coaches are responsible offensively and defensively. Um, you know, offensive, defensive coach on, on this particular game. The next game, we'll have this. So when we come up and play those people, they keep track of the personnel the entire year, what's going on. They keep in track what's going with the team. They keep in track of what their favorite things on offense and defense are to do. So we stay ahead of that all the time and we're on top of it. Um, I think, you know, you know, the name of the world is changed, you know, and, and things are going to change. Not a lot. Uh, I remember meeting, uh, being out at a Nike convention, and I'm um, you know, talking about it, Nike, the Nike company, um, talked about uh, being 5% better every year. You, know, you never sit back and say, hey, well, we've got it. We're good. You don't do that. You always strive to make yourself better. And you want to be the first to make the change, not the last. So when spread offenses came out, you don't want to be the last ones to, 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 to spread offenses. And so it's probably not going to look very good because everybody else is doing it. But if you're the first, you're going to take advantage of it. So the point I'm trying to make is you're always trying to make yourself better. You're always on. And, and, and you also try to anticipate what other people are going to be doing to stop it. And then you have counter answers for it. It's not simple uh, by any means.
0: Coach, one thing I wanted to ask you about, because I was curious, I saw this and I thought this this would be perfect. I can ask Coach Pinkle this question. But regarding the going for two in the analytics of football, it, 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 the, the pro football is on pace to break the record for teams going for two, but also they have a better percentage of doing it. It was 48% last year. We're at 50% this year. Um, some coaches will do it more than others, but I was kind of curious where you came out on, you know, they say don't chase points, don't do that, and there's some that's aggressive, go for two, but uh, – where do you come out on that? Because football is changing. Well, what happens is there's
2: a grid that goes on, and it goes on. I think everybody in the country has one. We certainly had somebody, one of our assistant coaches or graduate assistants was responsible. Every time we scored or our opponent scored, the difference between the five-point game or minus five or plus five, it tells you then if we score a touchdown, uh, if our defense intercepts a pass and scores a touchdown, it we go for one or two, we go to our chart, and it tells you, and we intelligently talk about when it goes for one and goes for two. Uh, That has served us very, very well. I think it still is done. You can sit there and just do anything you want to do. You can do that if you choose to do that. We don't because generally those statistical analysis puts you in best position to do it. And a lot of the times uh, the points might come up, you're plus five, an opponent that said, "We we will stick with one and we will go for two if it's in the second half, or we'll talk about it the second half. So there'll be some situations where, it's not golden, you know, dead answer, yes or no. We're going to go from one to go for two. And and when that happens, uh, that's when we have discussions, you know, prior to. So, um, you know, those those charts work pretty good, and uh, it gives you direction. And it also allows you to study and make decisions, not in the heat of the battle by emotion. You make the, you make those decisions in calm, intelligent uh, discussion and analysis.
0: Coach, I also wanted to ask you about this. Uh, Drew Locke, of course, uh, your former quarterback at Missouri. His dad, Andy, played at the University of Missouri, and his coach on the offensive line was one Andy Reid. Um, I, I do think it was interesting. I will think it's interesting. it be the second time that Drew Locke has squared off uh, against Patrick Mahomes. But he, he was still talking about that yesterday, Drew, Drew Locke was, as far as, you know, he's from the state of Missouri. He was a true son, went to the University of Missouri. You could tell those things meant, and I know that you did a great job keeping talent in the state, but he was extremely proud of staying in the state of Missouri and playing, and it's got to be fun for you to sit back. I've heard, you know, you've talked a lot about Mahomes and love watching him play, but uh, seeing him square off uh, against one of your former recruits, then a player there at the beginning when he was young.
2: Yeah, and, I, you know, I think there's a question about it. I, I, I think he's, he's done a great job. He's at Denver, I mean, he's doing some great things, and I really – um, you know, he's really so talented, and he's getting better and better. And but uh, Drew is who you know we kept him in state, and, we, and that was important. You know, his Dad played here. I think his grandma, grandfather played here also. Mm-hmm. So this is a family tradition there. And uh, very a national recruit, but one that was very committed to be um, a Missouri Tiger. And you know, you, you you have to understand too, this guy probably before you know, before he ended up Denver. He was the biggest fan in the world of the Chiefs. I'm sure that he's told you that. Then he goes to then he goes to the Chiefs, the one team that the Chiefs fans absolutely hate, and that's the Denver Broncos. So (laughs) it's uh, it's it's exciting. It's neat, and it's really neat to see your players be successful. I'm really I'm really proud of him for what he's doing. And by the way, he comes from a remarkably awesome family. I mean, just uh, a lot of great people.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 a fan of uh, his dad's restaurants and a particular burger he has. I've told him. It's my favorite out there. I'll have him on the show tomorrow, actually, uh, just to get that father's perspective of seeing his kid in the NFL and just oh, have that's fun. that's
2: awesome. That's great.
0: Yeah, he's a good guy. You know, here's the thing, though. Drew Locke talked about it, Coach, and it was always a big deal for you. These kids that grew up in the state, to have the pride to go to Missouri. I mean, they took that true son to heart as far as, you know, playing high school football in Missouri. And I know you always made it a big staple and important for those players to feel that pride when they grew up in the state of Missouri and went to Mizzou. And you
2: know, we had to win enough games for kids to be able to say, okay, uh, you know, I'm not going to go to uh, Oklahoma. You know, that's, 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 um, you, know, you could stand up and do it. So that's your facilities. That's your win loss record. And the more you win, the better that was for us. And so we want to keep you know, all the kids in the state, but certainly our goal was like 95% of the kids we want to keep and. And generally that happened. That, and that's one of the great things about the state of Missouri. And I think Drinklitz has done an exceptional job of recognizing, hey, we got a lot of good high school football players in this state. Sure. we got to keep them here. And we keep them here. And uh, great things are going to happen. And then you throw that with great facilities and, you know, and, and, and his staff doing a good job. Uh, uh, it gets really exciting. And Drew was a big part of that for us. I mean, that was huge to have him, uh, you know, come out and say he's going to go to Mizzou uh, and from a recruiting standpoint also.
0: Yeah, he was the best uh, Simone Trophy winner, so he was the best high school player in the city of Kansas City. We've seen the talent all around the state, from Kansas City to St. Louis and Springfield and everywhere in between the talent in this state is rich. But uh, I'll leave you with this, Coach. Uh, I'm excited to see Connor Basilak again and the Tigers because I, I feel that, you know, they really wanted to parlay that win and, and get back out there and play. You know, you know f- have those feelings like they, they felt, they felt the success. Uh, against the team that won a national championship last year, obviously it's going to be Kentucky this week. But we talked about Connor Bazilak back at Kentucky. We got to see his first start this year. He had that start last year at Arkansas. But the bottom line is, kind of curious about his development. Plus, Missouri has players back that they uh, didn't have in that uh, game when they uh, played LSU. Yeah, they the two of
2: their starting receivers aren't even playing. And they they throws for 500 yards. So yeah, I, I was really impressed with Connor. I mentioned that to you a week ago. I, I just was really his toys under pressure. Now, one game doesn't make you a great quarterback. We all know that. Uh, but certainly, uh, a lot of the things I see, I really, really like. I wish I could sit down and talk to him. Eventually, I'll meet him and get a chance to do that. But I've been, uh, uh, you know, it's it's it's, it, it, it's really hugely important. We all know that. And Chiefs fans know that, too. Uh, you know, if you want to have a great, a great team, you have to have a good quarterback. And I feel we got a guy here that, that uh, you know is passing all those tests right now to become one, and and uh, has to adjust now and you know get everybody back healthy and keep getting better on defense, and you know we'll see where it goes. It's uh, pretty exciting. Kentucky's a pretty good you know, football team too.
0: Yeah, they had a big win uh, last week. I always like to get your your perspective on quarterbacks. I mean, just going back to Toledo and back when you were at Washington as offensive coordinator, and of course all the players you put in the National Football League at that position. So. Yeah, just always curious about your opinions on Connor Basilak, and we'll talk about uh, his performance against Kentucky last week. But, Coach, always wish you the best health and success. And, again, GaryPinkle.com is the place, GP Made Foundation. Um, he's got the foundation on there. He's got the link to the book and everything else. But as I've been saying, Coach, uh, even those Kansas fans buy books too, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah, I know that. I know that. I'm, I'm aware of that. Hey, listen, uh, thanks so much
0: for having us on. Go Chiefs uh, and go Missouri. Enjoy the games this weekend. Coach, take care. Okay, buddy. Bye-bye. Thanks. There you go, Coach Gary Pinkle, the all-time wins leader at Toledo and Missouri. Coming up next, a look at the Kansas Jayhawks with our very own Alex Golden.
1: You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio.
0: Welcome back to Rush the Field. Jay Binkley, producer Julio Sanchez, halftime of a great matchup in the NFC. He said nobody 10 to seven Eagles over the Giants. Joining us now, Alex Gold from Coding Gold, 10 to two daily right here on 610 Sports Radio. And of course, the Wave in the Wheat, Kansas podcast on the 435 Podcast Network. Alex, we get the Sunflower Showdown uh, Saturday.
1: Yeah, man, it's finally here. You know, look, this is one of those uh, games, whether, uh, whether or not Kansas has been dominated by Kansas State or not, which they have for the last past 11 years, or so. It's still one of those that you perk up a little bit and you hear the stories from both sides about who was recruited by who. And, you know, there, there's some stories within that about someone that was, you know, right around the corner there in Lawrence that maybe KU didn't offer them or vice versa. And people take it personally. And so, despite the dominance in football by Kansas State here as of late, I still think deep down it's still a fun atmosphere and fun game for everybody come Saturday morning.
0: Well, Kansas actually has an 18 game advantage in a series that's on its 110th Street meeting. Even though they played 118, they did not play in 1910, as I informed Alex this morning. (laughs) Big controversy in 1910. They didn't play. I guess the biggest news coming out of Lawrence is their best player, even though it was a second-leading rusher, Puka Williams, hit that 92-yard return for a touchdown, and he opted out to go take care of his family back in Louisiana.
1: I mean, He was the face of the program, Bink, the last couple of years, other than... Les Miles is the head coach, him being the name, at least when it comes to that roster. There's no question you go and, and talk to anybody about Kansas football, the one player they first bring up is Kuka Williams. He by far has been their most talented player. He was a big get at the time. And, and as you pointed out, you know this year hasn't been the best for him. And it looks like now that kickoff return for a touchdown last week against West Virginia will be the final time He's going to play for the Jayhawks, and I I think think the final time he's going to play college football. Unfortunately, he's heading back to Louisiana. His mother's going through some some health issues, and and obviously you don't like to see anything like that, but I I don't think he's probably going to be playing college football again, period. But this is a big blow. I mean, not just this weekend against Kansas State, but just what it does the rest of the way. If you had any chance to kind of pull off the big upsets this year, you need to have those playmakers, and he certainly was the, the first one on that list, and now You'll get an opportunity if you're a guy like Belton Gardner who's played a decent amount of, you know, already. It's all him, and, and we'll even probably see a, a true freshman the rest of the way as well.
0: Yeah, it's going to be good stuff. 11 a.m., you can hear that game right here on 610 Sports Radio. I'm looking forward to it, Alex. I love a good rivalry game. I do. I will be tuned in at 11 o'clock. Of course, we get the Big Ten back this week as well, but count on me watching this game.
1: Yeah, and look, nobody knows who the quarterback's going to be, too.
0: <laughs> that's That's the question.
1: That's the big question, man. Like It's going to probably be about two or three different quarterbacks. At least that's how they're playing it right now. Look, Miles Kendrick last week didn't even throw for 100 yards for Kansas, but they didn't have any option after that. I mean, the guys weren't healthy, Thomas and Vitti, Jalen Daniels. That's the big question is who's going to play. I would imagine we'll see Miles Kendrick and – Maybe Thomas McVitie is good to go, but that's the unknown heading into this one is just what kind of quarterback play you're going to get and who's going to play it. And I'm sure Kansas fans out there are kind of rolling their eyes a little bit because we've been down this road plenty of times over the last five to eight years.
0: Well, thanks a lot, Alex. We'll see you tomorrow at 10 a.m. for Cody and Gold and, of course, the Wave in the Week podcast on the 435 Podcast Network. Talk to you tomorrow, my friend. Sounds good. I'm glad you're not sick of me yet. (laughs) There you go, Alex Gold right there. You've been listening to Rush the Field. Thanks to Julio Sanchez producing a fun show. We have a lot of fun on college football. See you guys tomorrow.
1: You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio.